Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 from policy to culture principles to politics this is the seth leibson show well welcome back wednesday october 12th 2022 i am seth leibson let me give you the phone number if you'd like to join the conversation add to it or bring up anything on your mind 602 602- Five zero eight zero nine six zero. That's six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Delighted to have Jeremy sitting in as our producer pro tem today. Bill's out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Jeremy, thanks for doing this. Happy to be here, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. So if you call, say hi to Jeremy. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. I um I am blown away by what is going on in our governor's race here in Arizona. It was only this past Sunday that on CBS Sunday, Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake each were interviewed by the host of CBS Sunday Morning. And three times Katie Hobbs was asked why she wouldn't debate Carrie Lake. And the first excuse was that she doesn't want to contribute to a circus that surrounds these kinds of things, which is a straw man and nonsensical. It's a dodge. She can't debate Carrie Lake. And if the journalist had done his job, he would have followed up by saying, well, then why didn't you debate Katie Hobbs? Why didn't you debate your Democratic opponent in the primary, Marco Lopez? Was there a circus there? There was no previous example. And she would have no answer to that. But, of course, they didn't ask her that. Marco Lopez wanted to debate Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs would not debate Marco Lopez. It's not about Carrie Lake. It's not about a circus. It's not about Marco Lopez. It's that she can't debate. She can't answer a journalist's question. You listen to Katie Hobbs on any interview, and it is a mush somewhere between what Joe Biden would say unscripted, and what John Fetterman would say scripted or unscripted. She just isn't capable. So she ditched the longstanding tradition in Arizona, which is in every gubernatorial election here, the gubernatorial candidates debate, usually with the Clean Elections Commission and usually on our PBS affiliate, KAET Channel 8. Katie Hobbs didn't want to do it, so she and her campaign attorneys went back and forth with the Clean Elections Commission to try and come up with a format that would work to Katie Hobbs's positioning or satisfaction. Carrie Lake said she'd debate any time, anywhere, any moderator, any venue. Katie Hobbs proposed any number of things, none of which would satisfy the Clean Election Commission, Ultimately, with her final offer being, how about just we each get interviewed? Much like happened on CBS Sunday morning this past Sunday. The Clean Elections Commission said no, 
that's not a debate. That's not what we do. And that was that. And Carrie Lake continued to say she will debate Katie Hobbs anywhere, anytime, any place. Carrie Lake goes to venues across the state where she says you can ask me anything you want. She will take questions from any reporter. In fact, most of the clips you see, not the full interviews, but the clips you see on social media of Carrie Lake nailing it and hitting it out of the park is from a reporter who is not on her side. That's Carrie Lake. So what did PBS do? Well, hold that question for just a moment. Because three times I mentioned on CBS Sunday morning, Katie Hobbs was asked about her debating position. And the final question from the moderator on CBS was, is there any circumstance in which you would debate Carrie Lake? And Katie Hobbs said, at this point, 30 days before the election, my schedule is set. That's what she said. Today, today, I give you this headline from our Channel 12 News affiliate, 12news.com. Hobbs's campaign says AZPBS will interview her after refusing debate with Carrie Lake. So what PBS has done is conceded to Katie Hobbs's request that the Clean Elections Commission would not concede to. PBS is now going to do what the Clean Elections Commission, which partners with PBS, said was unacceptable. It's not a debate. But they are going to give her a 30-minute interview, a just one-on-one interview, absent Carrie Lake. And it's not as if PBS is anti-Katie Hobbs and pro-Carrie Lake, is it? So Katie Hobbs is getting exactly what she wanted, surprisingly somehow able to find 30 minutes to sit down with PBS, given what she said on Sunday, which was her hardened and set campaign schedule that didn't have time for a debate. But it evidently has time for the one-on-one interview with PBS that she has been requesting all along. I say shame on PBS on this one. I think if you are, I should be honest with you, I'm going to go one step further. I would say shame on any media outlet that gives Katie Hobbs an interview at this point. If she's unwilling to debate, if she's unwilling to enter into a debate format with her opponent, why would the media, why should the media reward that with any one-on-one interview with her? Why should they give her any airtime? You know, it was a version of this that ticked me off with Fox News. The DNC, the Democratic National Committee, last go-round, refused to allow Fox News Channel to host any debates of the Democratic Party candidates, any presidential debates. They simply said Fox News is not tolerable to us. Fox News had hosted Democratic Party debates prior, but this time around they said Fox News is not a tolerable venue. Okay, I guess they have that right. And it says a lot to the country about who the Democrats are willing to talk to and face up to and address and speak to and try and get on their side. I suppose it does. But then Fox News did something they should have never done. They went ahead and did one-on-one interviews with the Democratic candidates for president, or at least those that conceded uh, a willingness 
to go on Fox News and offer their thoughts to Fox News. Fox News should not have done that. If you're unwilling to debate, you should not get the grace. You should not get the scepter and the nod and the ease of just getting a free airtime interview without your opponent. Not 30 days before an election. Quite frankly, I don't know at any point during an election. Now, this is such a big deal that Lori Roberts, who is one of the liberal uh, columnists for the Arizona Republic, even she, even she has a column up right now online at Arizona Central. It'll probably make it into the print edition. Katie Hobbs is, here's the headline, Katie Hobbs running away from a debate with Carrie Lake is a debacle. If Katie Hobbs loses, she writes, remember October 12th, today, the day she ran away from confronting Carrie Lake. Today was the day they were supposed to debate. She writes, Democrats in Arizona are known for snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, but Hobbs's refusal to debate her opponent represents a new level of political malpractice. Hobbs' refusal to debate Lake has left voters imagining something altogether different, a candidate who appears afraid to confront her opponent. Well, it's not an appearance anymore. It's a reality. And many of you have seen or heard about Project Veritas's reporter exposing this reality of Katie Hobbs. I could play audio for you, but, you know, you kind of need to see the visual. Katie Hobbs says she'll talk to anyone. But then when the Project Veritas voter comes, she says she will not talk to them. And then they get her on microphone saying she won't talk to anyone she doesn't know. This is your next governor? Possibly, potentially, Democrats or you soy dissent Republicans who are supporting supporting Katie Hobbs. She won't talk politics with anyone she doesn't know. Let's assume she becomes governor. Please no, but let's assume it. Will she change that philosophy? Let's talk about it right now. Is she only willing to talk to Democrats? Does she only want to be the governor for the Democratic Party? She runs from the reporter knocking over. Uh, what looks like a 24-ounce soda all over the floor at an outdoor restaurant, runs away from it, leaving, of course, you know, the people who work there to clean it up after her. And then at one point, the video in Project Veritas, this is precious. The reporter follows her, trying to get her to talk. She runs into a bathroom and locks the door so that the reporter can't go and bother her anymore. And then what does Katie Hobbs do? She calls a staffer to come help her. To come help her, what does that male staffer do when he sees the reporter? He runs into the men's room to hide and lock the door so they don't have to deal with reporters. They are afraid of reporters. They are afraid of people they don't know. This is not a governor for all the people. And this is not a campaign that should be rewarded with a 30-minute free one-on-one interview with a friendly PBS. This is not in any way, shape, or form how we've done it before. And Katie Hobbs is not in any way, shape, or form qualified to be the governor of all the people or all the state of Arizona. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Darling Companion, Johnny and June Carter Cash. That was written by John Sebastian. Of the Love and Spoonful. If you're worried about the stock market's volatility, especially with Joe Biden in office, and who wouldn't, I'm here to offer you 
why Refi is here to offer you an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market. They're offering a unique investment opportunity, which is a secure and collateralized. It's a it's an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to ten and a quarter percent return. For investors, the investment can be in an IRA, it can be in a trust, just as much as it can be in a joint investment or an individual investment. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's made up of really great guys. I know them well. And they do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Investyrefi.com. Or give them a call at 855 855- Three one six three zero eight seven eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. Never a sales pitch. Robert is in surprise. Hello, Robert. Hello, Seth. Long time no talk again. Where um, have you been, my friend? Uh, I've been listening. I just haven't uh, called because sometimes you learn more by uh, receiving than transmitting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I at least I do. Well, what does that say I, about I, me? <laughs> at well, least from three to six, I ain't that. learning, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, no, it means it means that you're getting paid, whereas uh, those those of us listening aren't. Oh, um, any, unless you want to pay us, but um, I uh, I think with with Katie, um, this sort of is a mirror image of the Mark Kelly commercials. Actually, not so much a mirror image because Mark Kelly's TV commercials. He lies. Yeah. You know, he yeah. talks about money for the border wall, uh, calling out Joe Biden when need be, uh, and, and little things like that. Uh, in his case, he thinks it's what people want to hear. And, of course, in many cases, that's true. But he's not one of them to actually do anything about anything that he said on, you know, uh, listening to Arizona for Arizona, blah, blah, blah. Now, in Katie Hobbs' case, obviously, she's been around the block a couple times here in Arizona as a politician. And I, I think it just highlights their uh, – they must realize that if they were honest with both themselves and the people they are supposed to represent, they'd be honest. You know, here's what we stand for, higher taxes, uh, illegal immigration, you know, abortion, uh, all the things that – we know what they stand for, but they won't admit it themselves because that's just how they are. It's you know, and, Robert, you're so right. The the Mark Kelly thing first, and then the Katie Hobbs thing for a moment. But the Mark Kelly thing, those lies that you're pointing out in his ads, isn't it interesting that they are about those lies are about conservative things? That is to say, he's trying to sound like a conservative, which is to say. That he knows damn well that if we knew his real record, if he spoke to his real record, we wouldn't be buying it. So he is hoodwinking us to make us think he's good on the border. Where's he been on the border? He has been nowhere on the border. He can talk about a few bucks here and there, but he has opposed every major and every serious Republican proposal to solidify the border, which is where the serious proposals are to solidify the border. If you want a party that's for border security, it's obviously the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party. And the notion with him in the majority that he has done everything from day one to focus on the border, as Blake Masters said, then you're not doing a very good job. I, I couldn't agree more. On the Katie Hobbs then, thing. Now, let me say something about what you said about Katie Hobbs. You're right. She's been around the block here a few times. She's been a state legislator. She's been a secretary of state. And aren't you amazed? 
aren't you simply amazed she has succeeded this far with such vacuity and empty headedness and inarticulateness? I mean, is there a better illustration of what we used to call the Peter principle where you rise to your level of respective incompetence? Have you ever seen one more so than with her? Well, I could say Joe Biden, but I think we're well past that point. I right think now. Joe Biden <laughs> makes her look like a PhD professor in rhetoric. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Joe like Biden that, uh, can. Joe Biden is much is much more articulate than Katie Hobbs. Much more. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's why I say I think she's somewhere between Joe Biden and John Fetterman, frankly. Yeah. So either either the Democrats will lie, and in a lot of cases, they don't mention that they are a Democrat, or uh, and even in some of their signs, they just you know vote for whoever, but it doesn't say what party they're for. Yep, it's almost as though well, they're are they, are they ashamed to be a Democrat, and if so, why? It's kind of like yesterday when you were talking about Tulsi, and and I I agreed with you that well, what does she stand for? Because yeah. She, she's left. Uh, Hawaii, when was the last time a Republican was ever voted for in office from Hawaii? I don't recall. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, I love the environment, and so does she, and, and that's wonderful. But there's a lot more to uh, people in Washington's job than a single issue. And I think, you know, again, in Katie Hobbs, there's more to, there's more to the being a governor than just a single issue, too. It's not just the border. You know, we've got the, the education, the economy, uh, and, and things like that. And But but she doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, she all she says is, I have a plan. You debate. never hear what the plan is. Carrie goes down the yeah. items, and if you can go to her website, it's a well-thought-out series of issues and proposals. Katie just says, well, mm-hmm. I have a plan. You know, that's all she can get to. Yeah. That's, all, that's all she can muster up to say. If I recall, John Kerry did the same thing when he was running for president. He had a plan, but nobody knew what it was. Oh, is that right? And, okay. <laughs> yeah, and and if, I think it was 2004. Yeah, he ran you know, uh, he, again. That was the uh, I voted for the war before I voted against it, which is where kind of Tulsi yeah. Gabbard is, by the way, on everything. I don't know where well, she is on anything. Yeah. yeah, okay, she doesn't like the racialization, racialization in the Democratic Party. She doesn't like the anti-free speech. Where's she been? This isn't new. Mm-hmm. This isn't new. She's no, a 40 no. plus year old person. She ran two years ago to unseat Donald Trump as the Democratic nominee for the presidency of the United States. Where is she? I do not trust Tulsi Gabbard. And the notion that she won't affiliate with the opposite party tells me, mm, be careful here. Well, yeah, be absolutely careful because she doesn't say, I yeah. mean, she's walking away from the Democrats. Yeah. So, so what does she believe in? Right. What does she stand yeah. for? And it's not going to make conservatives happy. I promise you it's not going to make conservatives happy when she's pinned down on it. It won't be. It won't be. No, it won't be. Or or even look at her voting record. Exactly right. Same kind of thing. Exactly right. You know, Democrat, pro-Democrat votes Against every tax uh, position of Donald Trump's, against every abortion uh, constriction, restriction uh, before Congress. And, you know, when it came to impeaching Donald Trump, she voted present. Not yay, yep. not nay, yep. present. This is a sunshine yeah. patriot we have no use for. Yeah, agree. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Hey, Robert, nice to hear from you. You do the same. More of you can join in as well. 602-508-0960. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, it's a fun website, Grand Canyon Planning. Dot com. And he has a radio show every Saturday morning here at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Fantastic, Seth. How's it going? Have you ever had a Wednesday that felt more like a Thursday than today? Well, uh, it seems like it's a little bit. All day long, yeah. I have thought this was Thursday. Hmm. But... Um, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Your president, <laughs> John, and mine, our president, okay, told Jake you. Tapper today on CNN... Yes. I don't think there will be a recession. Right. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. Is this like talking about Russia doing a minor incursion into Ukraine? <sighs> is it possible to have a slight recession? Is it possible to not have a complete stop or well, Janet, an airplane Janet, yeah. be completely full? Well, Janet Yellen also said that the economy is doing good. Yeah. So um, the Fed, however, <laughs> the Fed, however, over, over at the Fed, yeah. <laughs> at the Federal Reserve, the Washington, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal reports officials expressed concern at their last meeting uh, at their meeting last month that uh, over the persistence of high inflation, that this yeah. uh, this could cause some pain here. Yes. And, uh, we, you know, we had the. Uh, uh, producers' price uh, index come out, and it was higher than expected. So we're seeing uh, prices higher for uh, manufacturers. So and, that's at uh, the wholesale level mostly? Y- uh, yep. Uh-huh. And then we're going to now see um, the consumer price indexes come out yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if we uh, still haven't peaked on inflation. And that's really what we're trying to trying to understand here. Yeah. Well, what the Fed says, I, I guess, from the headline, Fed minutes show concern yeah. of more persistent high inflation. Yeah. I suppose that that's their wink and nod to say we probably haven't peaked, if I read those two. Probably, probably true. And it looks like another three-quarter percent rate hike, right. if that's the case. Uh, but there have been others out there. And I, yeah. and I mentioned this to you yesterday at, yeah. after at the end of our conversation. Uh, there's been some opposition people out there now that are talking a little bit about this, thinking, you know what, yeah, maybe it still hasn't peaked yet. However, you've got to give it time. It's a lagging type of a process yeah. here. You just, you know, inflation went up very rapidly, very quickly, but it's going to be almost impossible to get it down as fast as it rose if you want to keep the economy moving. Right. I mean, if you want to completely crater the economy and go into a deep, deep recession, uh, then, yeah, you could probably get inflation down pretty quick. But that certainly is not going to be... Uh, fiscally responsible money policy. So I believe what we're going to see here is is um, this may be a three-quarter percent interest rate hike in this meeting, uh, but then uh, I think they may start to take a different uh, look at what's happening out there and maybe, uh, maybe a much lower uh, rate increase in the next meeting. Because that is the, uh, the balancing out. That is the fulcrum, right? If they keep jacking up interest rates, that's what worries about causing or leading to a recession, right? Am I, do, am, is that the balance we're looking at? You have to get that mix just about right? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't look at the, uh, the economy as a whole. As the stock market, you know, market right. goes up 300 points or 500 right. points or 1,000 points and down a 1,000 points a day the next day. That is volatile, and that's that's a sustainable type of a process for a while as the markets settle out. But with the economy, you can't move the economy uh, that quickly, day on day or month on month or even year on year. It, right. It's a process, and it has to be done delicately uh, to make sure that you don't over. 
react one way or another and create a, an extremely hot economy like we had, right, because of the, the low rates and because of uh, the demand for everything, uh, and then shut the whole thing down by telling everybody to go home uh, for a couple of weeks. And uh, we create, eventually it created the backlog that we have. And then people didn't want to come back to work. So many factors came into this uh, that created this. Uh, and it's going to take time for this to ultimately settle in. But raising rates the way they're going right now is really, again, going to put a, another shock to the system. And the fear is, is that if it's too much of a shock, then it's very possible that we do go into a, a recession. question is how deep of a recession and if uh, you know we do, how long will that recession last? So when would that come? If it comes, does that come well, in November or? You know, Jamie Dimon spoke yesterday, and he said the comments he made were you know mid next year. Yeah, okay, uh, is what he had okay. said. But as we know, we've already had two negative quarters, That's and that right. usually is the trigger of a of a recession. And oftentimes, I, I know we've had these conversations. It's been shown that we really don't even realize we're in a recession until we're in it, yep. and then ultimately. We're usually on our way out of it at that point. Uh, so we'll probably, once they redefine uh, what a recession is in this administration, then we'll know whether or not we're in it and when it's happening. Thank you, John. <laughs> you bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and SIPC, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, guys. Fastest tongue and brain uh, in the West. Thank you, Thank John. You. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and it still remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a salesperson to try and sell you gold. You probably already want it. What you want is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get the best value of what and of the, of the precious metals or gold that you want. Enter the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Proud supporters of this show. They're the only precious metals dealer I use, Seb Gorka uses, and thousands of you already use. If you're interested in putting gold or other precious metals in your portfolio, give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. You can visit them here in uh, in Phoenix at 625 West Deer Valley Road or Check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. All right. This is an interesting thing. I don't know how many people have uh, put this thought together. Let me try it this way. You remember, (coughs) excuse me, do you remember Donald Trump's first impeachment, what it was about? It's about a phone call, wasn't it? It was about a phone call to Vladimir Zelensky, president of of Ukraine, right? And what the Democrats did was when Donald Trump was talking with Vladimir Zelensky, he spoke about investigating corruption that only um, Zelensky would have access to. And the Democrats turned that into a meal because they said that that was an election ploy because it would inevitably be an investigation that would include uh, the Biden family or at least Hunter Biden's work in Ukraine, and Donald Trump might be running against Joe Biden for president. For all this, we went through impeachment of Donald Trump. Okay, just to remember all that. Got it? Call to a foreign leader of another, well, obviously, by definition, a foreign leader in another country um, that was ratcheted up to the belief that 
Donald Trump was weaponizing economic or political foreign policy for his own political purposes. All right, let me read to you from uh, the Powerline blog. Biden tried to persuade Saudis to delay production cut, oil production cut. A report in today's Wall Street Journal depicts Joe Biden's Keystone Cops administration in action. Here's from the Wall Street Journal. Days before a major oil production cut by OPEC and its Russia-led allies, U.S. officials called their counterparts in Saudi Arabia and other big Gulf producers with an urgent appeal. Delay the decision for another month, according to people familiar with the talks. In other words, telling the Saudis and OPEC, don't make your decision about cutting production in October. Wait till November. Wait till something perhaps after November 8th. Saudi officials dismissed the request, which they viewed as a political gambit by the Biden administration to avoid bad news ahead of U.S. midterm elections on which control of Congress hangs. Now, to be fair, the Biden administration denies that its urgent request was at all politically motivated. Donald Trump denied his, too. Adrian Watson, a National Security Council spokesperson, rejected Saudi contentions that the Biden administration efforts were driven by political calculations. It's categorically false to connect this to U.S. elections, Ms. Watson said. It's about the impact of this short-sighted decision to the global economy. But the political implications of the administration's requests are obvious. The one-month delay requested by Washington would have meant a production cut made in the days before the election. Too late to have much effect on consumers' wallets ahead of the vote. This is beyond lame, Scott writes. It's pathetic. Since the OPEC decision, the White House vowed to fight OPEC's control of the energy market. The obvious way, Scott writes, to fight OPEC's control of the energy market is what, by the way? Producing all the oil and gas that we can. It was obvious to Donald Trump anyway, and that's why we were energy independent. All of our energy dependence that switched in a heartbeat from the Trump presidency to the Biden presidency, when we went from energy independence to energy dependence, that is to say, dependent on other countries, that's all because of what Joe Biden did on his first day in office. Things he promised to do. People the American people thought was evidently preferable to the Trump strategy or the Trump policy of keeping us energy independent, you know, giving us all the energy we need and we can use based on our own resources. Instead of responding rationally by maximizing our own production, Scott writes, the Biden administration now wants to punish Saudi Arabia. The Wall Street Journal reports lawmakers from across the political spectrum called on the U.S. to cut off arms sales to Saudi Arabia, and U.S. officials started looking for ways to punish Riyadh. The administration piles stupidity on top of stupidity. I suppose if he really gets desperate, Biden can denounce Saudi Arabia as a pariah state. But oh wait, he already did that. Weird that the Saudis weren't interested in doing Biden any political favors. Please tell me how this is not worse of a smoking gun. Tell me how this isn't worse of a burning fire, never mind a smoking gun. 
than what Donald Trump said to Vladimir Zelensky about investigating corruption. It had nothing to do with our economy, and it arguably had nothing to do with politics. It had to do with Zelensky having access to a corruption investigation that only Zelensky would have access to. But that was before Joe Biden was even the nominee for the presidency on the Democratic Party in the 2020 election. Boy, that impeachment took place two years before the 2020 election. Took place in 2019. That was 2019, wasn't it? Yeah, okay, a year before. A year before the election. This, this is a month before the election. And it's obvious what the Biden administration is doing, isn't it, before the election? Telling Saudis to hold off on their decision to cut production against our wishes because it'll make energy more expensive. It'll make gasoline and fuel more expensive for Americans right before the election. News that the Democrats don't want. News that the Biden administration can't defend because it highlights both our inability to persuade an ally I know, an uneven and uneasy ally to be, no, to put it no higher, no question about it, but an ally nonetheless. And an election that's coming a month away from that decision, which puts the highlight on what Joe Biden did to us, making us dependent on the whimsy of a place like Saudi Arabia and the cartelization of the group known as OPEC. And he's pressuring them right ahead of the election not to make that decision to highlight his policies, which have made energy more expensive, and pressuring them not to go on with their self-interest, which will make our energy more expensive right before the election. How is this not an impeachable offense if the groundwork was laid that what Donald Trump said a year before an election to Vladimir Zelensky when he asked him to investigate corruption there was impeachable. How is this not? How is this not? It's closer in time. It's more direct. It's much more tied to public policy. It's much more tied to politics. It's much more tied to the corruption we know as this Biden administration. Welcome back to the Seth Lubson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people of Balance of Nature. Their fruits and veggies, I take them every day, just one daily dose. You just take them once a day and you get a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. Pure, potent plant power, 100% natural, 100%. Uh, Go to balanceofnature.com, but make sure to use discount code BALANCE. John is in Phoenix. Hello, John. Hello, Seth. This is uh, John Metz. I met you before when I was in the office there, and I asked you for the five great conservative conservative books. Do you recall meeting me? I do. I'm not sure if I recall the five books I suggested. Sometimes it changes a little here and there. You got it, and we're not going to talk about that. One oh, of okay. Them was, I'm happy to, uh, though. If you want to call back on, on no. that another time, I'm happy Good. to. Yeah. Good, good, good. And I told you that you were fantastic because you're sort of philosophical and you differ from the other guys. But here's... here's <laughs> and you're here to change. tell me you've changed your mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I, feel, I feel the exact same way, Seth. Oh, thank and I, you, John. I, I thank swear you. I do. Thank you. So, thank okay. Here's the deal. I'm going to mention a few things to you. Some of them you're not going to be able to discuss because you're not going to spend too much time with me. But these are 
deep issues that I, I want to hear your viewpoint on. Okay, and let me just so warn first- you, just it's a short segment. I got two minutes, so I'll let you have all two of them to do it. And anything you leave out, email me or call back tomorrow on. But go for it, John. Okay. Ukraine corruption, Soros, uh, the Clintons, other politicians. Who's going to shine a light on this and, and us find out really what's going on with the black hole with the uh, trillions of dollars there? That's, that's one thing. Let me give you the few of them, and then you decide what you want to talk okay. about. Okay, all right. Um, Blake, oh, wait. Um, I want to know about Jeffrey Epstein. What, is go- what has happened with that? How has there been uh, this situation that it was just swept under the rug, and, and the, the young women who were violated, uh, that doesn't matter much, and life goes on. I, I don't understand that. Um, I want to know about... Um, Mitch McConnell. What is up with Mitch McConnell? Is he compromised, or what is going on with the man? Um, um, not supporting the the true Republicans, uh, funneling monies to others that makes uh, no sense. Uh, so that's another thing. I want to make a comment on Blake Masters. Fantastic. I know you 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 agreed that he had a fantastic debate. Wish he would have fought a little bit dirtier. Kelly was fighting a little dirty. Um, I wish he would have used concrete facts, like like you sided with Biden 99.9% of the time. You know, uh, just more concrete hitting, hitting uh, Kelly. Um, last thing I'll mention, will somebody write a book exposing Biden behind the scenes? I would love to see it. It definitely would be a number one. Um, we got to know what's going on behind the scenes. With what the a man. great call, John. What a great call. A real survey of several problems. And it's in sadness that I say you're only just scratching the surface, too. As I said, this was a short segment, buddy. Um, so call back uh, if you want tomorrow, Friday, and we'll go through it. Seriatim. That's our word for the day. Seriatim. S-E-R-I-A-T-I-M. Seriatim. Thanks, John. We'll do it. We'll get to it. Call me back. Hold me to it. Don't go away.